Live. Well, this is Studio B Live, and I'm your host, David Burns. I'm here with my wife, Sherry, and today we want to uh, say welcome to all of our new listeners and all of our past listeners, old listeners. And You know, Sherry, I'm surprised. I get more and more email. We jokingly say we have six or seven listeners, but I keep uh, getting emails from people, and so... Wow, we may be up to 10 or 11 listeners now. It's like, (laughs) I don't know why people like to listen so much to these podcasts, but we are glad you're listening today. And we're here in our home in central Illinois, taking a break from our busy bee business to share some fun stuff with you today about beekeeping. And I know some of you are just getting into beekeeping for the first time, so these podcasts will be educational as well as entertaining. And... um, Sherry, if people hear a noise in the background, I'm not sure if they can hear that, but that's just the dryer going. <laughs> we've, got, we've got dryers going, the phones are ringing, the baby is playing over there, the dog is rummaging through the trash, so there's all sorts of noises. Here. Oh, yeah, always noises. And the worst noises that I hate are the ones at night when I'm trying to sleep. I don't know why. it's. Uh, it seems like everybody ought to be quiet and go to bed at night, but... Uh, so it's always a challenge with when you're running a business in your home. Those of you know how uh, that can take a lot of a lot of work. Um, what's in the dryer that's going bang, bang? Is that shoes or just somebody's? Sounds like a belt in there. I think it's buckles on a pair of overalls. Oh, for Christian, <laughs> he looks so cute in those little farmer overalls, doesn't he? <laughs> hey. I wanted to share with our uh, listeners, Sherry, about our adventure on, was it Tuesday? We went down to the state capitol here in Illinois mm-hmm. because we've been actually um, trying to introduce legislation that will lift the regulation on beekeepers selling their honey at farmer's markets. And so we have a kind of a lobbyist guy that's working on our behalf to uh, change legislation. And uh, it was a fun trip. Yeah, now this is just for the state of Illinois. Every state is different. And do you remember what some of the other states... I think Illinois is one of the strictest states. Isn't that what you said? It, it is. And, uh, and there, there's, I think Mississippi is one that has uh, lighter restrictions as well as Florida. A lot of states. Well, Illinois is one of the few, I think, that have the, the most strictest approach to bottled honey. So if you want to know about your state, you need to contact either your... Um, uh, what state public health department or the mm-hmm. state ag department? Yeah, and just kind of fill them out as far as what kind of requirements they might. And they might say nothing. You know, when I when I go to sell my eggs in Illinois, there there are no regulations. I don't have to be um, inspected. There's nothing like that. But honey is something different. So, but every state is different. And the case that we're trying to make here in Illinois is that honey is actually not a processed food. Honey is a natural product which we simply put in a bottle. <laughs> hey, and it was really great, Sherry. I hope I can remember what I want to share with our listeners because we introduced legislation and I have some sound bites that I took uh recorded while I was while we were in session with the uh senators on the Ag Committee. And um um it was interesting because the the conversation that you know it, they were taking testimonies 
And so we had a good showing of beekeepers from throughout the state of Illinois that were there. And uh, I don't know how many senators there were, maybe 15 or 20 around this uh, large room and tables, and they would call people to give testimonies. And and, um, the only people that were in opposition to our bill being passed was the Illinois Department of Public Health. And they had three or four or five representatives there. And I've got a soundbite, a beautiful soundbite, and it's going to be hard to hear, but I'm going to play it anyway. But it's of the senators asking the Department of Public Health, has there ever been a case of tainted honey? Because that's what the IDPH kept saying. Honey can be tainted. Honey can be tainted. We have to, ins- we have to inspect the honey houses and make sure they're up to code and all. And so one of the senators said, has there ever been a case of tainted honey? And the IDPH said, uh, no. And so then the senator said, how long have you been keeping records? And she said, well, 20 years. So for the last 20 years, there's never been a reported incident of tainted honey. And yet they're only afraid there might be, so therefore they want to control uh, bottled honey. But what happened in that meeting was really neat because the senators started speaking up on behalf of the beekeepers, saying, you know, we beekeepers are kind of hurting already because of the bees dying and CCD, and so we don't want to make their industry any harder by over-regulating them. And it was only because that we were going to vote that day, but the IDPH convinced the senator introducing the legislation to wait and see if the IDPH can negotiate a middle ground we can meet halfway before we pass the legislation. But I think at this point we're not interested in trying to negotiate that because if you give some control to bureaucrats, all they do is change the laws the next year and they're back in full control again. So we really want to get to a place where we as beekeepers have a natural product that we can bottle and um, have no restrictions on that at all because it's, to us it's no different than if you go out and gather up uh, a dozen of ears, ears of sweet corn and sell it on a roadside stand. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting process to to see how you write up the bill. And the bill was written up within the um, Illinois State Beekeepers Association. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. And it was written up within that organization. Everybody probably has one of those in their state's and if you don't, you need to look into it, or if you don't know if you do, you need to look into it and find yours, because these organizations, even though you think you're far removed from them, are actually doing some very important legislative work in your different states, perhaps. And so this bill was written up there, and then um, they had to find a sponsor for the bill, and then it was introduced into a committee at the state capitol and we took our kids to it we homeschool our kids and so we took our kids so they could actually see how that process worked and even if you don't homeschool your kids you really ought to figure out how to grab your kids out of school one day and how to walk them through the process of how that works because it's one thing we were talking about this when we got home it was one thing to read it in a book and you go yeah 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 and you forget about it 10 minutes later but to actually be there and see how you know, see how it's written up, see how it was discussed in the state bee association, and see how it finally made its way to the committee is is something that you and your kids will never forget how you know how that all transpires. But it's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting process to be able to go and and see all those. But yeah, I think 
all the all the people on that committee were more than four the beekeepers. They oh, I know. We could have asked for the farm. They were just on our side. It was great. I didn't realize they had such a uh, compassion uh, towards beekeepers. Well, it's the Illinois. If you get out of Chicago, most people think when they think Illinois, they think Chicago and they think the city. But if you get past, you get south of Chicago, there's a whole state down here, and it's all agricultural. So, you know, I would imagine that the vast majority of those um, uh, people on the committee were, you know, had roots, you know, in farming or mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. But um, yeah, but that but the idea was to get it to where it's. They don't look at it as a processed food. It, it, the honey off the shelf in the grocery store is a processed food. But those of us who do it, you know, at home as hobbies or even small businesses, we don't process our honey. We, we simply take it out and stick it in the jars. And uh, it's, it's, you know, like you said, the same thing as if you had a bushel of apples or, a, you know, a bushel of sweet corn or you had a dozen eggs that you sell. And there's no difference. Um, between those things. And and honey has this natural antibacterial property to it. It's um, it will if any bacteria is introduced into honey, uh, it will absorb and destroy uh, the growth, prevent the growth from any bacteria. So it's not like we're making mayonnaise here, folks. You know, <laughs> come on, it's honey. And uh, honey, I mean, uh, look, apple. Somebody said apple pie, baseball, and honey is is American tradition, you know. And and here in Illinois and a lot of states, honey is one of the last raw commodities, you know, that you can get without everybody regulating and processing it. And you're right, Sherry, honey in this on the, on the shelf in the store. And one person made this point was really good. That's a lot of the honey that we buy on the shelf is from other countries where they use antibiotics that we don't even allow in this country, it's tainted with other things that we don't want anyway. So, you know, why why is the public health department trying to smother out beekeepers and their hobby and selling a few jars to Mabel down the road that likes it for her allergies uh, so that they can make us process it and kill all the important enzymes in it? So uh, I know the public health department wants to negotiate and come kind of halfway with us, but... I, 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 for one, and I'm on the board of the Illinois State Beekeepers Association, I have no intentions to, to negotiate because if you give them any control at all, it's just like bureaucracy to want to control it all again. Well, and um, I, I think people ought to realize, too, that we're all for people harvesting their honey and and making sure that they're using clean utensils and they've got... <laughs> clean containers you know i mean we certainly don't think anybody ought to go out in their you know in their garage in their in their dirty garage where the dogs are and (laughs) and just stick honey in some old dirty paint bucket or something but but the the fact is is that most beekeepers in the state of illinois are hobbyists and if you put you know regulations on them that would cause them to go out and have to spend you know, like restaurants, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to have approved kitchens so that they can sell $200 worth of honey, you're not going to have beekeepers. And and the fact is, is that we, we have to have bees and we have to have beekeepers for all the other reasons too, such as pollination and, and uh, well, for, you know, pollination and 
if we lose our beekeepers, then we're going to lose our bees. Exactly. So uh, we, we've got legislation on the working there. I'm going back down Tuesday again, Sherry, because at that point the Senate Ag Committee is going to be voting on that legislation that we introduced last Tuesday. I don't know if you want to go again or not. I don't know. Did you say you're going to play a little part of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to do that now? Yeah, we can do it right now. Okay, so, you know, there's an example of some questioning and some give and take. I know the audio was kind of hard to hear. I tried to beef it up a little bit so you could hear how it goes. But it's your it's your typical kind of testimony and senators asking questions and, and all. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how the process works. I would just encourage all of you to, yeah, like Sherry said, be careful and, you know, uh, certainly bottle your honey with uh, the cleanest of, of conditions that you can come up with because your name is on the bottle of honey. That's that's what I kept saying is like when I put my name on that, I may I want to make sure my customer is satisfied that it's a clean product. Um, that's important. And it's not just your yourself. If if you look bad, you make all the other beekeepers mm-hmm. look bad. That's a good point <laughs> in your state. Exactly, and you give uh, you give honey a bad name too, right? So we got to be careful about that. Well, Sherry, can we go and look at some email now? Uh, we have lots of emails that I want to get to today. Um, here's one from Joel, and he says, I just want to take a moment to thank you and Sherry both. I, res- I have received, enjoyed, and benefited from your free email newsletter for close to two years now. I do appreci- appreciate your willingness to share information on such a wonderful topic Patiently waiting for spring in Maine. May God continue to bless you and your family. A fellow beak. Beekeeper. Beak. <laughs> really? Is that what you call you call a beekeeper a beak? Uh, I personally don't call a beekeeper a beak. I call that thing on the nose of a bird a beak. Now some people that sounds too close to geek. Yeah, it does. A beak. Maybe he made it up. I don't know. Maybe you do. Now, I have heard people refer to themselves as a keeper. Oh, hi, David. I'm I'm a fellow keeper, huh? meaning a beekeeper, you know. But you yeah. can be a keeper of anything, right? Oh, yeah, you can be a keeper of anything. But I've, I've also heard people say that they raise bees, that you don't raise a bee. <laughs> I raise bees. I raise queens. Well, yeah, I guess you raise queens, but you you keep bees. You don't. <laughs> that's yeah. all. That's all you can do. Yeah, that's true. Isn't it? All right. So, uh, let's see. Let's look at some more emails here. All right. Um, here's an interesting one. It says, uh, 
Hi, my husband is a beekeeper. He could be a keeper or could be a beak, right? But he's a beekeeper. (laughs) A geek geek beekeeper. (laughs) We have used bee sting therapy for many years to treat arthritis and joint pain. We actually have an elderly couple who come every week and get, uh, get bees to treat her asthma and arthritis. We have a friend who has just started getting bee stings to help with her MS. Here is what I'm hoping you can help us with. We have one pair of really funky tweezers that are kind of open at the tip to retrieve the bee out of the jar, which don't kill her. My husband got our pair at a bee meeting many years ago. We would like to get a pair of tweezers for these folks to keep at their house. Where can I find them? Thank you for any help. And this is from New Hampshire. Um, Yeah, I wrote her back, and uh, this was Patty, and I said, I gave her a website uh, of um, kind of like a specialty tweezer website, you know, to look at, because I don't know what she's, I don't know what it looks like. She just described it, you know, in those terms. So, uh, but I wrote back and I told her that Sherry, you know, we've done this too, and I tell her that the easiest thing for me to do is to refrigerate the bees for a few minutes until they don't move any longer, and then you can take the bees out of the refrigerator while they're still alive, but they're not moving because they're too cold. They look like they're kind of just, uh, um, well, I can't think of a good word, but n- not really hibernating, but and not really paralyzed, but they're just so cold they're still. <laughs> and then you can grab them by their wings and hold them, and you wait for them to warm up. And then as the warmer they get, the more active they get. It just takes a few minutes. They get warm. Well, you know, if you hold them by their wings, they can't sting you. And that way, you're ready to go. Now, I have found that the warmer they are, the better they sting. The colder they are, they won't sting. But you have to wait till they really get warm. But, it, you know, two or three minutes. So if you want to do that, and that is true. We have talked to a lot of people uh, with MS or arthritis that do use bee stings and have found a lot of help with that. For people who just want to grab a few bees for whatever purpose, either this or, you know, just to, you know, stick them underneath a microscope and look at them, how do you do that out in the hive? Do you, what what do you do? Do you just go up and catch one on the edge or what do you do? Well, yeah, you can. You, you can actually get them out of the front when they're going in and out or sitting on the front in a jar. You know how you used to catch bugs when you were little. You'd take a jar and quickly put the jar over them and put the lid on. Or you can open the hive up and just scrape some into a jar and bring it back. And, of course, if you're going to look at them under a microscope, you have to kill them first. And <laughs> <laughs> Usually you can, you can, you know, a lot of people spray uh, oh, ethanol or some kind of a agent like that or alcohol, and that would kill them pretty quick. But I don't like to do that because then they're too... Uh, gooey and wet to really look at under a microscope unless you're going to have to dissect them or something. So, yeah. So, uh, look at... Anybody knows about certain kind of tweezers that Patty needs? Uh, Let us know and we'll relay that on to her so she can find those tweezers that she's looking for. You know, you can't have enough tweezers, Sherry. (laughs) We do lose tweezers a lot. Yeah, uh, because, you know... But ours aren't for tweezing anything in particular no. except one thing that we have a problem with around here and that's splinters isn't it <laughs> oh yeah we have splinters constantly i i got to where I, I usually wear my gloves almost all the time now because we're just constantly pulling splinters out building beehives all all the time and 
So we need those tweezers all the time. I had one splinter. Maybe I've already mentioned this, but I had it for months and months. I think like five or six months, and I finally couldn't stand it and just had to do it myself the hard way. <laughs> Became my own hand surgeon. A part of somebody's hive stayed embedded in your hand. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. All right, let's see here. Lots of emails. Hey, maybe I'll mention this one now. Sherry, this is something I haven't really shared with you a whole lot about, but um, this um, I've, I'm kind of working in partnership with a website over in the UK. This is Michelle Green, and she has an, an, a website now about honeybees. And it's, um, it's honeybee hyphen. You call that little thing a hyphen? No, I call it a dash. Oh, a dash, maybe. Okay. Honeybee-info.com. And um, it's honeybee-info.com. And I asked her if she would just share with me what she's doing, and that way I can let our listeners know. And I want to say a few things about it. But uh, Michelle has been very kind, Sherry. And if you go to her site, we're on there. She's pasted the Sherry Sweetheart deal right up there on our front page, you know, and she's doing a lot for us, too, and we wanted to help her out. One of the things that I'm doing for her, because she has this website, a lot of people are asking her questions about beekeeping, and she wants me to help her answer those email questions if, if I don't already have enough to answer, right? But uh, So she has this website, and so people will ask questions, and I'll, I'll give answers, and in return, she puts our information on her website, and we'll put... Her, her site on our site, too, in the next few days. But one of the things that she does, which I'm excited about, is they actually take these old, old beekeeping books that are just so priceless uh, with the information they have in their public domain, and they actually record them into MP3 files. You know, they read them. And then you, you can get it as, a, as an e-book free, or you can purchase the MP3 and listen to it. And these are great. I just downloaded the uh, Langstroth and the Hive book. Uh, it's, 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 a tr- it's, a, it's a classic, you know. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm looking forward to having that. You can put them on your cell phone if your cell phone plays MP3s or your computer or an MP3 player. And uh, what's really neat is she's given all of our listeners, I think the first 500 listeners that go and, and purchase that book, on the MP3, she's given the listeners like half off. And wow. I, wow, I know. Wow. I, I hope I can find that product. She gave me a code that I was supposed to tell our listeners, so hopefully I can find that. <laughs> I'll have to look here in a minute to see if I can find it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm glad you found that. So, So let me just read a little bit about how Michelle got started. She sent me an email. And she said, what started out as a project for my four-year-old son has turned into an almost full-time labor of love and learning curve for all of us. From looking on the Internet to show him the answer, my son Luke's question was, where does honey come from? We have journeyed through many websites and found numerous books and articles. It's a well-known belief in the beekeeping world that for all of our modern-day technology and information, the best resources for the modern-day beekeeper is the information that was written over a century ago. Here at honeybee-info.com, our aim is to bring as much of the beekeeping book greats of old to you in formats to fit the 21st century. A lot of people 
interested in beekeeping just don't know that these books are available. So we took it upon ourselves to supply them in an ebook format, which we supply free to our subscribers. We're further bringing beekeeping to the masses by getting these same books recorded as audiobooks and MP3 files so that you can take them and listen to your book wherever you are, in the car, on a plane, doing housework. Soon you will be able to get these books as a DVD or streamed through our website. So when we say fit for the 21st century, we really do mean that. We also scour the web to find news and stories related to bees and beekeeping to make sure that you are kept up to date with what is going on in the beekeeping community globally. So that's Michelle's uh, passion for her website. And these, like I said, these books are great. And I've learned a lot from those old books, Sherry. And, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, don't realize that some of the things they're trying today were tried by Langstroth back in the 1800s, and he failed miserably doing it, you know. And um, so it is good to read these old literatures because it's amazing when you read what they knew about bees, um, you know, back in the uh, 1800s. It's incredible compared to... Some of our entomologists claiming to just find that out today, and and it was already they were already knew that back in the eighteen hundreds. You know, one time I won't say where, when, or who. <laughs> oh come on! We were we uh, um, the the situation was was there was a a doctor of I believe he's a doctor of entomology. I could be wrong, but but uh, a doctor, and he was overseeing a group of. Um, uh, entomology graduate students doing something and they were they were doing this and they were trying to explain what they were doing and he finally kind of stopped them and said well wait a minute what are you doing why are you doing this and they're like oh we're we're wanting to figure out this blah 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 blah. he goes that's already been done you're wasting your time (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes i think that's what they do sometimes in colleges and graduate programs not that i'm putting any of them down but it's like you know, there's nothing new under the I sun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I read of one, I think it was last year, where they said they came out with this big thing and it was written up in the scientific journals and said they've discovered that the queen mates with many queen, many drones at one time. Woo-hoo! It's like, <laughs> where have you been, you know? You, you introduced it like you just found that out. We've known that for 20, 30 years now. Maybe longer we've known that. But uh, oh, anyway, so I, I don't know. I guess it pays the bills, huh? <laughs> All right, here's one from uh, from a from Dean in Minnesota, Sherry. She says, "I'm li- or he said, I'm listening to your broadcast right now. Right now? Yeah, right now. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned that you have a police officer from another state that listens to them too. Now you can take that up to two. Whoa." They're in Minnesota, they said. They're in Minnesota. you got to say that right. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. Minnesota. I, I don't know. That's, uh, that's great. Yeah. I just actually talked to Dean. What D- is it with police officers and bees? Uh, I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know. It just shows that people of all occupations love to keep bees. Policemen, farmers, nurses. We've had doctors. We've had... Um, a huge businessman in Texas keeps them. Wow, we've got mothers. We've kids. got we got fathers, fathers, grandfathers, and grandmothers. Wow, <laughs> this could go on all day, couldn't wow. it? Wow, 
Wow, yeah. Uh-huh. Chefs. Chefs. We've had a lot of chefs. Really? Yeah. wonder why that is. Do they use the honey for their cooking I, or something? I'm assuming so, yeah. How do you find that out? They say, hi, Sherry, I'm Bob, and I'm a chef. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I say, are you Bob or are you chef? Uh, no mind, yeah, you right. would. You would. You would think that was his name or something. Yeah. Well, isn't chef a name? No, honey, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is a name, but not chef. Oh, I bet somebody's named chef. Of all the names in the world. You're thinking Shep, like Shepherd? Yeah, there is a guy on Fox News named Shep. Right, but that's not chef. <laughs> if any of you are named Chef and you want to come to my aid, <laughs> or if you want to quickly... Yeah. If your name is really Chef, please call David on the phone today and let him know that. <laughs> or if any of you mothers out there are about ready to deliver and you still want to help me, <laughs> you can name your child Chef and get me off the hook, all right? <laughs> we just had a baby and we named it Chef. I'm sure there's a Chef out there. We named our daughter Karee. And nobody, I don't think that name is out there at all, is it? Some people make up names. Karee. Kar- <laughs> you, you, you don't make up names, you just make up words. <laughs> That's right, I do, don't I? Uh, I thought I had, you know, I talked to Dean this morning on the phone. He had a good question that I answered um, in email, too. But I thought, I, I thought I'd bring that up because I want to address his question real quick here. Uh, let's see. His question is this, Sherry. I was reading your lesson on what, on why honey is good for us, and it reminded me of a question to ask you. Since the bees store the honey in cells, which are left uncapped until the honey is ready to be capped, what keeps it from running out of the cell? It seems that would be a problem as the cells are on the side and not facing up. What do you think about that? I think that's a good question. It is a good question. He is right. And wrong. Really? Yeah. The the uh, he is right that the cells are on their side, but they do face up. If you were to look at a frame from the edge, from the side, you know, and you looked at the cells, they they're not straight out. They angle upward for that very reason. Aren't bees smart? They knew, mm-hmm. and then they probably figured it out. You know, oops. We made it go straight out, and now the nectar's running out at the bottom of the hive. And somebody said, well, angle the cells up a little bit. Keep the nectar in there. Uh, so they do actually. Oh, and by the way, when they bring the nectar in, the bees actually uh, uh, handle it for about 20 minutes with their mandibles and introduce enzymes to thicken it up and to air it out until they put it in that cell. So they do try to get it. I mean, but it, it is like water. And early in the spring, Sherry, when you inspect a hive and you pull a frame up, how a lot of us turn it sideways to look you know, down the cell and at the uh, eggs and stuff. If you're not careful, the other side, that nectar will run out. Mm-hmm. It will just drip out. So what do you do? Well, you know, they, you're really supposed to always hold your frame uh, up and down. Uh, what would that be, vertical? And so you never hold it sideways where things could fall out. And unless, a lo- it's, unless it's all camped. Well, yeah, if it's all caps, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking specifically at the brood box. Uh, at the ma- my master beekeeper uh, course, you know, they, they, the fellow that I was working with said you never want to turn it sideways either because a queen can fall off. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've never seen a queen fall off of a frame, but I guess it's possible. And he said if it happens, you, you know, if you lose your queen in the grass, it, she just won't come back. She, she's lost forever. So you, you, you don't want to be flipping those around. So that was, that was a good question from from Dean in Minnesota. Yeah. Really? Oh. 
That's still D- Minnesota? Yeah, that's still Dean. Oh, yeah, it is, I see. Uh-huh, yeah. All right. All righty. Hey, here is one, and I'm not sure where Alvin is from, but he writes us uh, uh, several questions. And um, he is an advocate. Re- ad- oh, I lost the word. Advit? Avit. <laughs> You know who used to do that? Archie Bunker used to do that. He used to make up words or yeah. say them all wrong. That's you. You're Archie Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, avid. A, avid. There you go. Avid. An avid chef. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> what did Karif say? Advent? Advent. <laughs> That's a different thing. Is, is this ad, ad? What is Advent? That's Christmas know. time, isn't it? Because now we're... Now it's Easter, and that's that's Lent. Yeah, right, right, okay. right. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. What is that beeping noise there, the washer? <laughs> All these signals going done. off. All right. Ah, uh, okay. David and Sherry, you got in the title there, huh? Woohoo. And this, this uh, Alvin is full of questions. Listen, listen to this. How many supers do hives in northern Illinois need? Your complete <laughs> hives comes with one. Where do you put the bee? Where do you put the honey? When that super gets full, I read that you have to wait until the bees completely cap it before you can remove it. So if you only have one super, where do the bees put the honey after that one super is full while they're still finishing capping the last cells? It seems to me that you need at least two supers per hive. Is this correct? How many supers do you have on your hives? (laughs) Well, that's a good question for beginners. It really, really is. You know, we, we sell our hives with one super. We, well, yeah, we, two, could, two we could sell our hives, Alvin, with chin supers. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> that is they, true. They, they do automatically come with one, and um, and some people sell them with none. Well, that's true. You could, yeah, well, you could just get all deeps if you wanted to. But um, you, you know, you well, what I mean it, what I mean is, some people sell them with two deeps, and thinking the price is really good until the beekeeper realizes, uh oh. Now I need more because I, I didn't realize I needed supers too. So we we try to help people by including that one super. Yeah, yeah. There's some kits out there called pollination kits that only come with broods or yeah. boxes, right. and some people get those thinking they are a good price, and then realize they don't have any supers on them. So you have to go back and get supers. But um, you know, if you're if you're a small beekeeper and you only have one or two hives, you can use one super. When it's full and it's capped, you can pull it off, take it into your room, wherever you're going to extract it. Extract it. It only takes minutes to extract it. You put the frames right back in the super, all wet and gooey like that, and you you walk it right back out to your hive and you stick it right on there. Now, I suppose in that two hours, <laughs> I guess there would be some bees that came in and went, Whoa! <laughs> I got some nectar here. What do I do with it? But you know it's only a couple hours, so it's not gonna you know it's not gonna be a big problem. But um, if you don't want to do that, which is not what we do here because we have too many of them. But if you don't want to do that, then then you simply need to go out and you need to buy, you know, one or two more. But we wouldn't know how many you would need because everybody's environment's different. Um, that as far as what kind of nectar you have, what your weather is like how well your bees are doing some bees are better at honey collecting than other bees are 
and uh, you might only need one super, but some people need two or three or four supers. Yeah, and it depends on when you harvest. If you just wait, if you're going to wait until September and pull it all off at once, mm-hmm. you might as well put three of them on there or four of them on there and just let the bees fold up all year. But if you're like us, you know, you want to you want to pull honey off all year long. Sherry's right; you're going to have to empty it and put it back on or have some on there. So when you pull one off, they're still working. I would say on an average, we have at least two all the time, probably three on the hives that are really making good honey for us. Three seems to be a good number. I had somebody ask me the other day, again, about the sequence that you put those on. And we we ought to remind folks about that, too, that you start out with the one deep box and you wait until they've pulled out about eight or nine frames, you know, full of wax. And then you put on the second deep box. And then um, when that looks like it's about two-thirds full, then you can put your honey super on. And we always say around here, we always say the honey supers have to go on by the 4th of July. And But at that point, when would you put on a second super? Would it have to be almost full before you put on I use the same method. When, it gets, when you get one that's about eight or six or eight frames full, put on your second super. But that would just be for somebody who, who, who's got their hives real close to them. For folks who have to put their hives elsewhere, we have a lot of people who live in the city and they've got their hives out in, um, in, in farmland someplace else. And so can they just... Can excuse, they just yeah, excuse me, i got to talk to Cree a minute. <laughs> well, I'll just keep on <laughs> rambling here, I guess. And what I was going to say is these folks have to put the... Um, you know, supers on all at once. David always says that it's better to um, have too much than too little. So, you know, it's not a problem to go ahead and stack two or three supers on. But is that the ideal thing to do? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I you know, it's probably I, I always uh, err on the side of not having enough supers on, and that's my problem. Hey, Cree, I think you're going to have to unplug one of those uh, electric heaters. That's probably what kicked the breaker. Um, I got two of them on, so just yeah, we kicked the breaker, so we're just trying to turn that back on. But if you, as long as you have enough supers on the hive, they're going to keep bringing honey in. And I've always erred on the side of, oh, if I'd have had more on there, I could have had more honey. Why didn't I put four or five on there? You know, you've seen pictures of some people, Sherry, have fourteen, fifteen, sixteen supers, which would take a ladder. <laughs> but they do. I've seen pictures of that. But how would you get? Oh, man, unless you were just really youthful <laughs> and you had a really good back. I just, wow. You just need to get more highs. <laughs> oh, yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I know. Uh, okay, he has more questions. What size screen do you use for powdered sugar treatments? You know how I lay a screen down over a deep and put a cup of powdered sugar to help prevent, uh, my, or help reduce mites. Uh, any size screen will work. No, not a window screen. Yeah, a window screen's perfect. Oh, I think a window screen's too big. For powdered sugar? Window screens are small. Really? Oh, yeah, they're really fine because they keep mm-hmm. out the little bitty bugs. Anything you know, like one-eighth inch hardware cloth or smaller. Anything bigger, the bees will fly up. So you're just trying to keep the bees out. But powdered sugar is so tiny, it'll go through window screen perfect. So if you got an old window, <laughs> yeah, just go to your wife's kitchen window and jerk the screen out and take it out there on your hive, you know, and that would be good. Um, you know, we, we had a phone call this week from, I, I think I actually had a couple of phone calls this week from people about crystallized honey, so I thought maybe we needed to take a minute and talk about that. 
crystallized honey. It's an alien food source from other planets. And people think it's really honey, but it's it's from another world. It's aliens taking over our world, one <laughs> one little honey crystal at a time. <laughs> you ever watching Star Trek before you go to bed again? Yeah, <laughs> the crystalline entities. <laughs> okay. That? No, yeah. honey. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. All honey, all raw honey, will crystallize. It's just a matter of how soon. The sweeter it is. The higher the sugar content, the faster it crystallizes. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. I thought it was, well, I guess that's true, too. I was going to say I thought it was certain flowers that would do that, but I guess certain flowers would have a higher right. sugar content. So yep. do we know what those flowers are that have the higher sugar content? Well, yeah. Uh, clover is not as bad. Uh, it's one of the least ones. I think buckeye... Am I, is that the flower that snaps the bee when they go in there? I always get those confused. That's alfalfa. No, that's alfalfa. <laughs> alfalfa, or maybe it is buckeye. One of those two hardly ever crystallizes. Alfalfa. Some flowers are really bad about crystallizing fast. Remember Jack brought his over to mm-hmm. harvest his sunflower honey, and it was just crystallizing in the buckets, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, melons, like uh, pumpkins, it crystallizes in the comb. Okay, well, let's talk about this mint because some people, I think it worries some people. And I, I even recently read um, a book about a woman who um, sells honey to, she has some big commercial um, contracts in, um, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Commercial contracts sounds more like you're selling it to Sue B or somebody like that. But she had big contracts with fancy boutiques in the city and that kind of stuff. And she said that by the time she got ready to take her honey, it was always crystallized. And the customers didn't like it like that because they thought there was something wrong with it. And so she'd actually have to, to heat it down. But I've had a couple people call this week and said, you know, we've got your honey and it's crystallizing. What do we do? Well, you know, there's a couple things. You know, first of all, we have a jar of crystallized honey that sits on the table because David smears it on like butter. So it, you, you, I smear it on butter. No, you smear it on like butter. Oh, smear it on like butter. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to do anything to it. I think there are some people who prefer it in this um, form. And we had a we had a German beekeeper. Remember that he sent us um, some of his, and he said that's the only way they sell it in Germany. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. That it's all like that. Right. So, first of all, if you see a big jar of crystallized honey, don't assume that it's old, or don't assume that there's anything wrong with it, or don't assume that it got frozen, or don't think it's been sitting out, you know, somewhere, you know, in in a place that caused it to do that. It's just simply what honey does, and... You can't. You could keep it that way, and it would be perfectly fine. It would be easier to spread, and certainly if you take a spoonful of that stuff and dip it in your hot tea or your hot coffee, it's going to melt down, so you don't have to do anything previous to that. And uh, so it could. You could even sell it like that. I bet. Oh, I've sold know. a lot of it. Our customers know, and they don't mind buying crystallized honey. So you know, don't even worry about it if you're trying to sell it. And you're keeping it on the shelf in a in a an outbuilding, and you go out there one day, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's all hard. I'm never going to sell it." You know, there's there's people who would appreciate it just like that. Or you can melt it. You can just warm it back up and get it liquefied, and then sell it. You know, right? So so how do you do that? You know, you could do that in a microwave, but you know. If you're going to get it to a certain temperature, you're going to end up killing all the enzymes and 
that's not what you want if you want raw honey. So we don't recommend microwave, especially, especially if you have it in any plastic. Oh, yeah. You know, you can melt down the plastic for one thing, but it's never a good idea to heat anything up in plastic. Especially in one of those little bears, because <laughs> if the plastic melts, the little bear looks crippled. <laughs> he kind of he kind of droops yeah, to one yeah, side. He, does, yeah. he droops to one side, and yeah. then he's like a very sick bear. And, but um, and that's we we're tending to only use glass um, at this point because people are concerned about plastic and um, and glass is recycled. Recyclable. Ah, there you go. I think you made up a word. Hey, does does honey does honey crystallize faster in plastic or glass? Mm, I don't have any idea. Do you do you know the answer? I don't know. I I thought we noticed that last year and 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 both, but it doesn't seem to matter. Maybe no, it doesn't seem to matter because I've got a a plastic thing sitting there, a squeeze bee thing sitting there, and it's just as hard as this is right here in the glass. So I don't know. Yeah, and the reason let me I want to interrupt you, Sherry, because see, we don't process our honey, meaning that we don't heat it. If you heat it past 140, 146 degrees, you do destroy the yeast in honey, which then causes it never to crystallize. So you, that's what the stores do. When people who sell to big stores, they have to have a longer shelf life. And by that, I don't mean that honey gets uh, gets bad and no longer can be on the shelf. I mean that, like Sherry said, if you don't heat it up past 146, then it can crystallize and customers may not buy it. So they heat it up so it can't crystallize. But they do destroy the natural and good enzymes in it by doing that. All right, that processing actually destroys all the stuff that you want in raw honey. So that's why it sits liquid on the shelf in the stores, but it's also not going to be as good for you. Um, plus, sometimes they add water to that stuff, is what I understand. So that's going to keep it liquid, too, if you've got you know water in it. Yeah, they're not supposed to. I mean, it's supposed to be pure Pure honey means you've not done anything, you've not added anything to it. But who knows? Yeah, who knows, especially the kind from other countries. So, And then, of course, there's that stuff that's not even real honey anymore. I don't know what they call that stuff. Imitation honey. Imitation honey. Can you believe it? When you can go out and get real honey from a beekeeper that people would actually spend money on imitation honey. What in the world is it? Is that corn syrup? Ooh, I don't know. It might be. I have no idea. Mm-mm. Wow. Anyway, so how do you go ahead and melt this down if you're not going to do it in the microwave where you could get a... You could get a um, saucepan of water boiling on the stove and you could put it in there now you got to be careful because it's like canning jars you can if you if you put in a, a glass jar into a thing of boiling water like that you can crack your jar so you need to be you need to be careful when you can you always put something on the bottom of your canning jar either a there's a, a little false there's a false bottom to it and sometimes they're wood sometimes they're metal sometimes people will just put a dish rag in there so you need to be careful about um introducing something like that but we take the lazy man out the lazy man way out around here and we stick them on a oh you can stick them on a heating pad or you can stick them on the top of your radiators or you can stick them on a you know electric heater on the top of it and it will eventually melt down and it won't get anywhere near hot enough to kill any of the good Mm -hmm. stuff that's in it Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's good to know, Sherry, because it does crystallize. Alvin has more questions. You say on your website it's very important to allow for some ventilation at the top of the hive. However, I haven't found how this is done with your hives, especially consider how you recommend using a candy board in the winter with no holes 
Would you mind clarifying this, please? Also, how long does a candy board stay good? If a candy board is purchased with a hive in the spring, will it still be good and fresh come winter? Good questions. Hey, here's the deal on that. Our hives do come with a vented intercover. That means the intercover has has um, little notches cut in it so that when you put the top cover on, air can still circulate out of the top. But he is right. When you use a candy board and you flip the candy down toward the hive, it's sealed off, and it needs to be. You don't want robber bees coming in there as the temperature warms up late winter, early spring. So you don't worry about the ventilation. That moisture that collects, if it did, on the top of that candy board or in the, in the candy, it's going to only aid in the digestive digestibility. Is that a word? <laughs> it's only going to aid in the bees digesting that honey because that moisture is going to soften and be there. The bees do like that moisture when they eat, you know, granulated or hard sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you were going to say something. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking. This oh, okay. Is, this is how I learn everything. People think that I'm smart on my own, but I'm not. I just learned from listening to David talking. So I was just, I was just absorbing that. I know my, my, my. My knowledge and wisdom just, it spellbounds people, doesn't it, Sherry? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, yes, you're right. All right, so not a problem there. He has he has some more questions. Look at this. I love seeing people that are so, uh, you know, inquisitive about beekeeping. I read in Lesson 18 that a beekeeper should clear snow from the entrance to a hive after every snowstorm, but before the bees need to go outside when the weather warms up. If you have to clear the snow out of the hive entrance, then what on earth do wild bees do? I'm amazed that domesticated bees can't clear their own entrance like wild bees must obviously do. Maybe because it's wild bees are up in a tree and domesticated bees are on the ground where snowdrifts can't accumulate. Well, that's a good question. You know, the truth of the matter is, I don't think there's a difference between domesticated and wild bees. Uh, they're probably, alpha, you know, they're the same bee. But um, we've really not, I guess domesticated in a sense we do put them in a, like you domesticate a dog or something. But no, they actually do clear their own entrances. Yeah, don't they just like breathe on it and it kind of melts? Or <laughs> yeah, like we warm our hands up. You know, and kind of how you blow hot air on your hands. They go out there and melt the snow away their entrance. The only thing, Alvin, that we're trying to do is make it easier on them, you know. Um, same reason we feed our dogs. I mean, you wouldn't have to feed your dog. If it was outside all the time, it could go off and root and snoot for a mouse or something, you know. But we feed our dogs because it seems like the nice thing to do uh, to help them out and get a good balanced diet. So, you know, it's the same way with the hive. We just clear the front out because we feel sad that they haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, and it is just a real narrow opening. So if you're like right now, if you're in Ohio or Pennsylvania or New York and you've got Woo! three feet of snow wow, out there, no it could take a very long time for the bees to clear three feet of snow away from that entrance. But you're right, because they're in a tree, generally speaking, they're up higher in a tree, aren't they? And, and their openings aren't, aren't generally at the bottom of trees. Their no, openings right. are generally at the top of trees where the snow is not. So, no, right. Yeah. yeah, there's been studies done on where a hive naturally finds a habitat, and they do like to go high. You know, we know that from taking them out of barns and things. They're always up pretty high. Why don't we put hives up high then? Well, you know, we probably should. It's just not convenient for the beekeeper to go on top oh. of something. No, I meant like 
hang them from trees or something. Well, yeah, but when you take that super off, you got to climb a tree. <laughs> who wants to cl- who wants to go up in a tree and climb out with a super or honey? I think they used to do that with those straw skips, didn't they? Didn't they yeah. hang them from trees and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah and some people what they use in third world countries, they have the uh, top bar hives mm-hmm. on ropes. Oh, they do. And yeah. put them like up and down in yeah. a tr- wow. Yeah, when they want to take them down, they just lower the ropes down and lower the I mean, you know, Slacking the rope and the hive comes down, you can take the honey out and pull it back up into the tree. They Ooh, our bees are wow. bees would probably do a lot better. They'd be a lot. And we've we've noticed that small hive beetle too. Uh, the higher it up, the less likely the beetle might be to go in there. I think if you put uh-huh. yeah, if you put a hive huh. like two miles high in the air, I don't think a small hive beetle would get up in there. What about mites and all that other good stuff? Well, two miles high, how would you do that? I know that, and I'm just you oh, okay. know. I don't know. Mites are no. carried in by the bees, so the bees would, the bees would. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. They're kind of parasites. They'll find a way in. Okay, but it is good. I think you know the higher up off the ground, the better the hive is. I read in lesson 18. Oh, we did that one. I read in lesson 66, and this is the last one he asked. Screen bottom boards in the winter. If, if your hive is up in the air six to eight inches, then you want to prevent cold air from curling up, blowing onto the cluster. This can be accomplished by building a wind block around your hive. He said, I'm confused. What do you mean by if? You said in lesson one that your hive should be at least five to six inches off the ground to reduce moisture. Do you make it a practice to lower your hives closer to the ground before winter and then raise them in the spring? Sounds like an incredible amount of work. To build a wind block around every hive. I obviously enjoy your lessons and I'm learning a lot from them. Thanks. <laughs> wow. He's got a sh- sharp mind to remember yeah, all that. He does. But in lesson one, I said five to six inches. But I said if they're six to eight, you should make a wind block. Oh. So you're, you're saying it should be down on the ground. But there are some people. We've got a friend who puts his up really high. Yeah. I mean, those babies are at least a foot off the ground, I bet. Well, that's right. Here's the thing. You know, I put mine on pallets, so two pallets gets me six inches off the ground, but the wind doesn't blow into the bottom of the hive because the pallets block that direct wind. But if you just build a stand, like if you have them on two boards that run real long, you know, like a railroad track, those kind of a configuration, and that's a foot or two off the ground, and you just set your hive on it, then the wind could blow up into that. That's what I mean. And you don't want that. You you want it to kind of uh, protect the bees a little bit from that. So Alvin is asking some questions. What's, what's he mean? And it says, and no, I'm not an attorney. That's I saw I is. saw that. Do you think Alvin, and I won't say his last name, but do you think that those two names represents a famous attorney maybe? And that he's, he's, you know, don't confuse me with, like I'm David Burns, but not the actor or the rock star. There's an actor and a rock star named David Burns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm acting right now. And if you follow me to the shower, I'm going to rock out. No, there really is a rock star and an actor. Well, the actor, I think, is was way back. I'm sure he's deceased now. but <laughs> And probably the rock star is, too. <laughs> they don't live long. I don't think anybody's confusing you with the two of those. Yeah. Cree, do you know David Burns, the rock star? No. Oh. <laughs> So sorry. Now I know there's a there is one in Liverpool named Christian Burns. So, but not not a David Burns. I am related to Elvis Presley. Well, 
We know you think that. No, I, my mother told me. I'm like his sixth cousin or something. Okay. That's my connection to Rockstar Hall of Fame. No, there's David Burns. He's a rock star. Or, or a musical guy. I don't know if it's rock music. And there was David Burns, the actor. I think it was rock. But, but they could be deceased. One time I bought something, and I and he said, what's your name? And I said, David Burns. And he said, oh, like the rock star. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google this when we get done with this podcast and see if there's a David Burns, a rock star. Oh, Karee's on it now. Go for it, Karee. She's going to find out. Wikipedia and see. Yeah. See if you're in Wikipedia. Yeah. So, there you go, Alvin. Thanks for all the questions. Here's another email. And um, it says, um, yeah, we are running. Wow, this has gone fast, hasn't it? I want to do one more. Sherry's saying, watch the time. What's the time? Spread them out. I know, I know, I know. I got it. I know. I got you. Okay. Here's a good email, though. I want to get to this one. Hello, I'm starting up Two Hives this spring for the first time. I found your blog and was wonderfully impressed with your basic lessons. Same info I've read in books, but your quality presentation is very clear, very reliable, and has pictures. (laughs) I like books with pictures. Thank you very much for taking time to help us. I certainly hope that your intended reasons for doing so have been rewarded. Hey, that was a nice way to say it, wasn't it? All right, this is from the, how do you say that name, Sherry? Since you're so good with words and I'm not. I don't know. Rolson. Rolson family. Thank you for having your online classes available and a blog. I have been wanting to keep bees for two years now. When the start, And when the start of 2010 came around, I made a resolution to just get started. Imagine my disappointment when I learned that I had already missed out on the local beekeeping class for this winter. Thank goodness I stumbled upon your website, blog site, one evening. Thanks to you and your wife, I have been learning every night now on how to become a beekeeper, and I'm so anxious for our 20-plus inches of snow to melt here in Iowa. Mm. Iowa got it too, huh? I thought it was out east. Thank you for offering queens and bees for sale. Obviously, your hobby has turned into a business for you. I giggle at myself as I am inquiring with different businesses here in Iowa as well as online. You've done such a fine job in educating me on hive structure, the bee, and why to do this or that. I find myself already biased on what kind of bees and hives I want to have. Thank you. I can't imagine how much your time, how much time your podcast have taken away from your family. She's number 11 of the podcast listening family. (laughs) But it has been well spent in educating us. It doesn't really take away from our family time. We just do it right in the middle of the family time, don't we? Yeah. Otherwise, I'd be out there building hives and things. Yeah, what you need to go do. But um, just a couple things about um, this this email. I I think people do forget very frequently that especially with beekeeping you don't think about those things until the spring gets here sometimes and unfortunately with beekeeping and and some other kinds of things like that you have to get everything going and you have to start thinking about it in November and December and January because people do sell out of supplies really really quickly especially um, especially bees 
And so you have to just jump right on the bandwagon and, and start doing it. You know, you can wait and order your seeds for your garden in March, but you can't do that with things like bees. So you have to really, that's one thing that I wish we could really, really get out there to people that they have to, you know, start looking at it earlier. And we've said this before that, you know, the best time to get hives and supplies and probably a little bit cheaper too is is like July and August and September. And you can get your things um, readily then because everybody waits until January, February, and March. And every beekeeping supply company in the world <laughs> gets backed up because everybody's trying to buy stuff all at the same time. But um, also, um, we love putting our podcasts together and our lessons together and our blogs together. And we also hope that people will will do us a favor of bringing their business to us because this is the way that we provide for our family. And so... It, we we love putting together the lessons and podcasting, and, and if you can give us a little bit of business at the same time, buy buy a few of your hives from us or or some equipment from us, that would be wonderful. Oh, that was well said, Sherry. Thank you. Yeah, I did find uh, David Burns the actor. Uh, oh, but no, 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 that rock star. Oh, uh, yeah, Where's David the Burns the rock star. Cree said he's. She says indie music. What does that mean? Must be a. Oh, from Scotland. Acoustic. Oh, is acoustic music? No, but it's kind of similar. Is he still doing it now? Yeah. Okay, so David Burns, the artist <laughs> from Glasgow, Scotland. I'm from Scotland, actually. Yeah, well, um, and then there is an actor. Liverpool. But then David. Da- yeah, David. But that didn't matter. He was the actor. Well, I don't think anybody's thinking of him, honey. Though when he's died back in the seventies. <laughs> oh, he died when I was eleven. Uh, American Broadway theater motion picture picture actor and singer. There's two oh, two there. singers, see. Wow. And I, I'm just David Burns, the beekeeper. beekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> just David Burns, a beekeeper. Beekeepers just as important as any actor or any singer or any anybody. Yeah, but look, David Burns on Wikipedia. He's already got my spot. I can't get in there. He might. You might get a Wikipedia spot someday. <laughs> no, he's already there. But for now, we need to go, honey. Oh, we do. We've enjoyed being with you today, and to uh, the ever-growing uh, audience, especially of the police force we're glad we're keeping the police force throughout the world entertained with our podcast and others of you email us and let us know uh that you're listening we'd love to read your email on our podcast as well and tell us about your family and uh we'd just love to say hello and get to know you better and thank you for coming into our home and our beekeeping business today and chatting with us and having fun with us today as sherry said we'd love to have, for you to stop by our website and Get involved in beekeeping or expand your operation now. It's at honeybeesonline.com. And bees is plural, of course, because one bee is no good. What can you do with one bee? So it's honeybeesonline.com. You can email us at david at honeybeesonline.com. Or you can give us a call at 217-427-2678. I've got a lot of work to do. And uh, so does Sherry. So we're going to be... Signing off and looking forward to being with you next time. So we're going. Our goal is to produce a podcast every Friday. So today is Friday, and that's what we're doing today. So uh, we want to say goodbye, and I think little Christian wants to say bye to everybody. Christian, do you want to say bye bye to everybody again? Say bye bye. Bye bye. Say see you next time.
That's too many words in it. <laughs> and uh, Sherry, you want to say bye to folks? Goodbye. All right.